0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me, as usual. And we are going to preview the spring sports this week. Uh, the last time we had spring sports was all the way back in 2019. Leland, you have here that it was episode 44 of the Yak Sports Podcast. So we hadn't even hit 100 one th- yet. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. We're about
1: 100 episodes since we last talked wow.
0: about Wow. And... Back then, if you need a refresher, the United States was continuing their dominance of the Women's World Cup by winning yet another Women's World Cup. And just like they will in 2023. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the high school spring sports. So we're going to talk about soccer. Now, one of the new things is Ford has come into the Shenandoah district since we last had spring sports. Paige, LeRae, East Rock out. So well, yeah. Stanton boys, they won the class two championship. The last time we had spring sports, man, that's a long time ago. I know it's amazing. (laughs) Um, Now they're going to have to replace a lot from that team. So we're not expecting state championship necessarily run from the Stanton storm this year. Draft girls soccer was the highlight on the girls side. They had a deep run, but they lost to Maggie Walker, who is kind of a dynasty there in class 2 We're going to see if drafts girls can get back there. But I think they are another favorite for this year in the spring soccer.
1: Yeah, I mean, you'd expect both of those teams to be strong again. I know Stanton has already uh, played some games mm-hmm. this year and and ran up some goals on some people. So I expect Stanton to stay a good a good soccer program. There was a lot of underclass talent uh, two years ago, which I know some of that underclass talent has graduated uh, now. But, you know, I, I liked how that program was built, and, and you don't expect just that – you know, like a lot of programs, that talent just doesn't come from nowhere. Now, do they rise back to state championship level? I mean, that's a big ask. And 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 class two soccer, I mean, you talk about George Mason being involved there, and, and a lot of a lot of good programs in class two. I, I pause there because I, I, for some reason I feel like George Mason might have moved up, but there there's a did. lot of good quality um, soccer. Maggie Walker on the on the mm-hmm. boys side too, um, so it's something you have to watch out for. But I think Stanton in the district probably would be a safe assumption as, as a, a top contender. I know Riverheads, they've, uh, you know, won a state championship in recent years. They have a good program out there. Also, Wilson, uh, good soccer there in the boys' side. So I think if I'm looking at teams for our area, for boys' soccer, I'm looking there. And just like you said, draft, girls' soccer, they've had a couple years of, of real dominance through the district. So, you know, who, who can join them? Uh, and contending for the district, I think it's wide open. So I I think that'll make fun for the soccer season.
0: It will. Um, So high school baseball, we won't touch on here because Patrick Height will come up in the B block, and we will really hit high school baseball a lot harder there. So Leland, I'll kick it over to you for the softball
1: softball same some kind of similar assumptions from where we left off in 19 those teams that travel the deepest you you would wonder can they make it back there riverheads a very solid softball program they made it to the state semifinals last time uh they played a season they played against auburn um you know i i think we continually talk about what riverheads is able to gain by playing these class two teams class three teams in district uh and then they go to the you know class 1b and and kind of find their way to states a little bit easier because they've been fought pretty hard all season. So I I would expect Riverheads to be good in softball again. But then also Buffalo Gap, that was a team that in 2B went to the 2B semifinals last time out, and they had a really good regular season before that. And I know they were young then. There was a lot of girls, I think there was sophomores contributing big time there. I'm just blanking on their names, but I remember them being really young then. So I think Buffalo Gap would have a, a good opportunity for a good season. The other teams that went deep and that I just don't know about as much, Wilson. They went to a state or to a two B quarterfinal, but then also Fort Defiance. That was that team that upset the, the number one seed. They were the eight seed in three C, and they upset Brookville, the number one seed in that um, district. So these girls that are seniors now in that program were all on that team, and they and they understand what it takes to win in the playoffs. So have they been able to train through those seasons? And, and I know Fort Defiance has a lot of uh, good athletes on that softball team. And I know some of them, you know, play volleyball that has done a lot of winning and, and basketball. That's very good. So, um, you know, you look at players like Laney Gog and, and, and other ones like that, that, you know, have been good in the other sports and they just haven't been able to show it in the spring recently. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can get out of softball. You know, as we talk about baseball with Patrick later, you know, we kind of bring up multiple teams. I think it's the same thing for softball. I think we're really good in softball in this area, and, and what does that mean when they get to the state level? I, I think it'll be interesting um, to see what you get there. I know, you know, Page and Two B is very good. Three um, C's loaded, uh, and but like I think One B, I think it, I think even Riverheads kind of looks to be a favorite there. And then when you get out of there, you, you're still going to see Auburn and and some of those other schools that are always there in um, Class One. So. Softball, I think we will see a lot of success from our area. But kind of converse to that, I think tennis, you know, you just look at Wilson and that program and what they've been able to do on the boys and girls side in tennis, but particularly the boys side. It um, seems like they're always contending in tennis. Um, so I think they have had a coaching change there. But, you know, before they had this last coach, they, they were good in tennis and they were good with him, and, and they'll be good without him. So I think Wilson boys tennis is really something to watch as, as a possible state contender. Uh, you know, for our spring sports, so we talk about which teams in all the sports that can maybe vie for a state title. I think you look at that Wilson boys tennis and what they could do, and then uh, Riverheads girls tennis is usually really good too. Um, we Riverheads had a duo a couple of years ago. Um, I think back-to-back years they had uh, the the duos going deep, um, but also the team made it to the states uh, last time out. So it'll be interesting to see if those teams kind of rise to the top. But I think that Wilson boys tennis. If we talk about any teams having a state title chance, I think it's that boys Wilson tennis.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a team that's used to be in there. Uh, And so you would expect them to get back there again. Like you mentioned, uh, they lost in the state semis back in 2019 to Maggie Walker. See if they can get over that hump this time. But I think Maggie Walker is just perennial. Yeah. They're they're, they're, they're great at a lot of these spring sports. And I think it'll be interesting to see if Wilson boys can get there. And get over the hump and get back to winning a state championship. I I'm with you. I think if we're going to have a spring state champion in terms of a team sport, uh, it's going to be Wilson tennis.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for something in baseball. We we will hit more on that, but I think it's just unknown. I think Mm -hmm. it's unknown there. So it's, it's hard to predict that as well. Um, looking at track and we're moving through these quickly, but you know, track, we had a lot of success 2 years ago the fort boys relay team the 4x8 they won the state uh they did great things uh the stanton um runner there oliver wilson cook very good runner 3200 meter won that 2 years in a row so what kind of you know influence has that had on other runners at at stanton and i think that could pay off but also Wilson's Paige Miller won the the 300 meter. So we've had individuals from this area recently win states. It's been a while since we've had a team really go real deep. And and uh, you know it's mid 2000s. Uh, you know Riverheads had that. Riverheads is a perennial solid track program. Uh, back with you know Coach Hall and Coach Wilkerson, what they were able to do, and they kind of have that new era there. And, and they really haven't been been to the top top since that since that transition. But they're always pretty good. Can they put up some individuals this year? Um, we didn't really see that a couple of years ago. So I'm looking for that from, from Riverheads, knowing how many good athletes we see in these other sports and on the, both, the, both the girls' and guys' side. Uh, gap girls' track, I think, I'll, you know, if I'm going to talk track, I'm, I'm looking at what the gap girls can do out there because they, they seem to always have some good individuals, and when they pair those up, uh, you know, a couple of them together, you can really make a run with a, with the track team there with the gap girls. So those are kind of the ones I'm watching. I, th- I think for teams, I either look at riverheads or I look at the gap girls. Um, but I think of the rest of the County, I'm looking at individuals and, and I think we'll have to wait a couple of weeks. I know Stanton's hosting some track meets here and, and we're going to see some of these guys, guys and gals standing out. And that's, that's when we'll start getting an idea if we have some contenders here.
0: Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see, like you said, and there's a lot of other stuff that comes in there that's involved, with the track in terms of just more than teams, it's individuals too. And that's why we'll see. I know the Fort boys won it the last time back in 2019, but uh, with the four by eight hundred, which is kind of a team
1: Fort defiance. So it does kind of add up for the the distance and the team, you know, the relay team doing well, like I I would give Fort a chance just knowing the the programs they have there and, and the success they had in cross country just this year.
0: But yeah, I, you know, individuals on track can win state championships too. I I, I guess I should have clarified, yeah. and I I think I did when I said teams, Wilson yeah. boys
1: oh, tennis if it, team. If, you, if I listen but to you, it'll help.
0: Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> but we we will touch on JMU football. That was the other big local sports story uh, that happened this weekend. and we'll touch on that with Patrick Height, Unless you got something I, to say about it right now.
1: The only the only other stupid thing that I saw that you know while we're hitting on different sports, and it's a quick hitter. just the fallout from the draft and and, you know i'm surprised at what some of these teams have been able to do since the draft you know your ravens they needed some offensive line help they found it in the steelers and i hate that they got the villanueva guy that i really liked him and that's a great ad for your team i I hate that one thing i don't understand is like what is the jaguars signing tim t for? like that i just kind of laughed out loud when i saw he was even working out like what are they doing
0: yeah and then i saw some people connect some dots about somebody else who hasn't been signed that you know has some history with the nfl and oh look tim tebow's getting another chance and that guy didn't get signed it's a little different tim tebow's only playing because his college coach urban meyer who has a weird relationship and we'll i'll just leave it at that it's a weird relationship the two of them have in his hometown for a team that can't sell tickets to save their lives so for them, I think this is a money-making thing. And then for Urban Meyer, it's a, oh, I know Tim Tebow. He's a great guy, and we're best friends. And I don't know. It's a weird coach-player dynamic that I has nev- I've never seen outside of those two. Um, it's going to end exciting. with Tim Tebow being, like, the third or fourth tight end and, and probably never up. seeing the field.
1: What excites me is that I think this will pull him off of, uh, you know, game day or SEC Nation yeah, or whatever. Fine. I fine. Because I don't think he's great on TV. Everybody, oh, Tim Tebow does pretty good on TV. I don't I don't see that. So I'm glad if that kind of gets him off the air a little bit this fall. I'll take that. I, I get. just think
0: he's not good. And you know what this does? It, when I saw it, I texted it to a, a group of my friends, and I was like, this just further proves Urban Meyer is not going to cut it in the NFL. Like, yeah. it's just not going to no. work. He Can't thinks this is college. Like this. <laughs> he thinks this is college. It's just not going to work. He's going to stink. Trevor Lawrence is going to lose his first regular season game of his life. So, week maybe. <laughs> I guess they're revealing the schedule later this week, and we'll we'll find out how soon that will be. But uh, we'll talk to Patrick Height in the B block. Outside of the B block, right after it, we're going to have a quick interview that I did midweek, Instant reaction from the Orioles getting the John Means no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners. We'll touch on a lot there, but again, I just want to mention, you know, for the Orioles, it was a big, big day. It was the first time they've had somebody throw a complete game no-hitter since 1969. It was Jim Palmer. And so for John Means to do it in my lifetime, it's kind of like the Orioles have that ace that they haven't had since Mike Mussina. So... That was awesome to see. Um, I think tonight was their first win since Tuesday when they had the no-hitter. So <laughs> that was good. Used um, it all up. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what happens there. And hopefully the Orioles uh, find a way to keep John Means. But that, so you're going to have Patrick Kite here right on the other side of the little bear that uh, Graham does for us, which I appreciate. And then you'll hear another bear. <laughs> And then it'll be (laughs) my brother, Brad, and me talking about the John Means no-hitter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and we're back. Leland and I tend to not be big fans of violence when we can avoid it. So we don't have fight nights Instead, we have height nights, and tonight is a height night. We have Patrick Height <laughs> oh, back with us here on the Yak Sports Podcast.
1: Patrick inspires some fights sometimes. I've seen these school board meeting notes. I think
2: I think yeah. he's witnessed well, some fights. Um, that was bad. I mean, I'm I'm bad with jokes. Um, you can ask my family. But that that was that was up there. Uh...
0: <laughs> that was for you, Patrick. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank so. You. <laughs> Enjoy that
2: might be a strong word, but okay.
1: So we'll keep it to sports with Patrick here, so we do avoid avoid the uh, yeah yeah outcry yeah. for fights. So, here. but let's talk <laughs> first. No, I,
2: mean, I just came from a school board meeting, so if you want some school board information, I got it for you. I, I, it. I don't want I don't want people coming after us.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I'm good enough at getting people to hate us, so I don't know if, I don't know if we need your help on that. Um, But we'll we'll talk about high school football here first, even though it was two weeks ago. You you were able to attend parts of both games. I think the whole Riverheads game and then uh, part of the Stewart's draft Appomattox game. Let's talk about just the story that Leon and I touched on in the fact that, you know, two Augusta County teams were there and what your takeaway of all that was.
2: Well, I, I think it was just tremendous that that we had, again, for, for the second straight year or the second straight football season, at least we had uh, two Augusta County teams uh, reaching the, the state tournament, um, as the state championship, I, you know, we've, we've come so accustomed to, to Riverheads making it there, but I, I think it's good to see these other teams get there as well. So I was really happy for Stewart's draft, uh, obviously did not in the way they want it to, although close. they played really, really well. I mean, against a, a, a great Appomattox team. Uh, I, I, if I have to be honest, I didn't know if they could keep it that close, especially I I was telling anybody that would listen, if they win, it's going to have to be a defensive struggle, right? They, they cannot win a shootout with Appomattox. And I almost had to eat those words because yeah. they played right there with them and, and lost, uh, which was basically an offensive shootout. Um, and, and so they, they played really well. They should be extremely proud. Uh, and I think, I don't know, they're going to have some drop-off next year, you would think. But I I like we Nathan. Said that Floyd. last year we did we did um, and and they do lose some key players yeah but Nathan Floyd and that staff is a, is a really good coaching staff and I think they will not if they have a drop off it it won't be a tremendous drop off they could still be a playoff team uh, they they could still make a, a little bit of a run in the postseason um, I'm I'm really impressed by what what Nathan and and that staff has has done with Stuart draft so. So, kudos to them. I think they played, you know, it, it really well and, and had a great season. Um, they, you know, I'm sure in, in the uh, the moment losing that game, it was tough for the players, but I think looking back on it, the, the run they've had in 2019 and then the 2021 20, spring season, they're, they're going to be really proud of what they accomplished.
1: Um, and I know with you being around longer than Joe has, at least, I, I thought the atmosphere at Riverheads was really stood out. I thought, um, with the increase to people amount to be there and we don't have to, you know, dig in on that aspect of it, but just, I thought the atmosphere, the crowd reaction, the, uh, you know, the excitement around what we saw at Riverheads, I honestly thought it was something we hadn't seen uh, up at in Greenville for a couple years. And I, and I think it's because people have gotten so used to winning. Um, but I think Saturday that Saturday seemed like a, like an old school Augusta County crowd up there. And it, it was a lot of fun.
2: I, I totally agree and i think you're right they're they're so used to to winning and the regular season it, it just they' i don't want to say it doesn't mean anything to them but riverheads fans know that really what they're playing for is the postseason and they're they want to they want to go deep in the postseason. they want to win state championships and so after a while yeah it becomes difficult if you're a fan to get pumped up for, I mean, it gets difficult to be pumped up for, for for Stanton or Fort Defiance or whoever else is coming in there in the regular season. But this was, you know, a first time state championship game on their home field as, as often as they've been in the state championship, as many titles as they've won, as great as that program has been. This was a first. And I think the fans realized probably an only time that they'll ever host a state championship on their home field. And I think they were pumped for that. Um, I, I think the Galax uh, rivalry over the last few years that has developed helped kind of kind of pump that crowd up, too, because, you know, you just you didn't know maybe maybe Galax could give them a game. Maybe Galax, they certainly have the last two times they played in state championship games. So I think all of that, all of that worked into the, the the favor of the crowd. Yeah. And they just they were they were great. It was it was a lot of fun being out there. Um, it, it was a tremendous game. Uh, unless you're a Galax fan, I guess. <laughs>
1: so moving forward to the spring, uh, the real spring, and now we're finally kind of on a normal schedule now, just starting a little bit late. Uh, you know, we kind of pick up where we dropped off, you know, last year when when COVID hit. And I think baseball was the highlight last year. I think last year when we are previewing spring seasons, right when everything started falling apart, we were talking about, Fort Defiance. We were talking about Stewart and We were talking about Riverheads and and kind of looking ahead. Could, could all of those teams come out of the Shenandoah district battle tested and then represent the Shenandoah district well in each of their respective classes? Um, so w- what's your view of the baseball season coming up with with a lot of unknowns? But, uh, you know, no That's where we kind of left things off a year ago.
2: Can I I don't know how to shrug my shoulders and, and have that come through <laughs> on the audio. <laughs> You're right. Last year, it was you know Riverheads and Draft were coming off of of state semifinal appearances. Uh, both teams had had tough losses in that state tournament, and then Fort Defiance was was loaded and and looked like if it, and it's so tough to get through Region Three C, but you thought maybe if anybody from this area could do it, Fort Defiance could have last year with that lineup they had, and so to have that season end before it even started was just so disappointing this year. I I don't know. It's, it's so many unknowns. You're two years removed from, from these players. You've, you've gotten seniors who who graduated obviously after that 2019 season, and then seniors who graduated last year that never got their senior year. Um, You've got uh, young kids coming up that have never seen varsity experience or maybe we're on the varsity that didn't get a lot of playing time. They're going to be counted on as key players this year. And and I think, I think if you ask most people around this area for baseball, it's just an unknown, especially you're also going to have that compact season, which we've seen in every sport so far, but it's going to be a short season. Um, That's tough on baseball too. When you're talking about pitchers, I, I just, I don't know what to expect out of, out of this season. Um, other than, I think, Fort, if I had to give an edge to a team, and, and we'll know a lot more after this week. Uh, this week, you finally get into Shenandoah District play, so you got some big games coming up this week. I think Stewart's Draft and Gap play, Fort Defiance. Um, they've got a, a game against Stanton, but then they've got a game against Buffalo Gap on Friday. Uh, Riverheads and Wilson play this week. Um, so I, I really think you're, you're going to start seeing a little more this week and, and then next week and have a better understanding of where these teams are. But right now, if you, if you forced me to, I, I guess I'd give the edge in the Shenandoah district to Fort defiance just because they have, they have some really good talent. Um, they, Ryan cook, who is committed to JMU. Um, he is a heck of a player, Caden Richter, who we haven't seen on the varsity level yet, but he is already committed to Dayton. He committed to a B one wow. program before he even played varsity before he ever played a varsity game. He committed him. to a D one program. Um, and, and he is a, uh, he's only a sophomore this year. He will, uh, he will be a key player on that team. Uh, the, the one thing that really hurts is Tristan shoemaker. The, uh, the kid to the, that that's committed to UVA is going to miss the season. Um, he had back surgery, uh, something that, that he wanted to kind of get done and get out of the way before going to UVA. And, and hopefully then he he's, he's healthy and and ready for college. So he had back surgery in March and he is going to be gone for the season. So this is a Fort team that you really wanted to see all those kids together, um, especially you know, with Ryan Cook and Tristan Shoemaker and Caden Richter, all those D one players on the same field, and now Shoemaker to miss the season just really is a blow to that team. And and maybe brings Fort back to the pack just a little bit. Um, they they've they play one game. They beat Rockbridge, um, and, and they don't get into the district play until until this week. Then you look at, you know, you look at Stuart's draft who has, has consistently been a good program. Uh, we, we mentioned in 2019 was in the state tournament. They lost Henry cook, uh, who was also the quarterback on that team who transferred, but he was a great baseball player. Um, he will uh, he's, he's transferred. So he's not there, but Kobe Rothgeb, who is a really good baseball player too. Kobe Does it all. Is, huh? Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so Kobe is going to be there. So, you know, I don't know if that's a wash necessarily, but certainly uh, to absorb the blow of of losing Cook, getting Rothgeb is going to help. Uh, but and now, I don't know how much you read into this. They they lost a, a doubleheader to Broadway. They played a five inning doubleheader against Broadway. They lost nine nothing and eleven nothing. That is n- that's not good. That's not the way you want to start your season. But they've got a, they've got four or five football players on that yeah. team. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to give them some time to kind of adjust and, and and get into baseball mode. And and that's going to be the weird thing about this year, right? Usually you'd have a long, or usually wouldn't be coming off of football right into baseball, but you'd have a longer season to get ready. They're not going to have that long a season to do that this year. So let's see how quickly those those football players adjust to baseball and, and help draft. I, I think at the end draft is still going to be a solid team. R- Riverhead should be good, but, if you look back to that 2019 team, almost all the key players are gone from that yeah. team. Two JMU um, players. Somebody, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Adam, Adam Painter's still there. I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, – I don't know what to, th- to think out of Riverheads other than they have consistently had a good baseball program, and Rodney Painter is a good coach. Um, so, so you would, would think that they should be competitive and, and in the mix when you're talking about the district title the team that I'm really interested in, in finding out more about is this Wilson Memorial team. Uh, they they've got so many young players. I, I think next year is the year to watch out for Wilson. They've got a really good JV team. Plus some young players on varsity this year. I think next year when they have a full baseball season and all these young players have that experience, I think Wilson could be really good next year, but this year, uh, the, they've got some, uh, they got a sophomore in Finn Irving who went over from, uh, from uh, mm-hmm. basketball. He's a really good baseball player. Uh Mason McNow's a, a junior. He's really good. Now, the fun story about Wilson is watch when Wilson and Riverheads play because they've got a sophomore named Aiden Pogorski, who is Josh Pogorski's uh, son. Josh is the head baseball coach at Stewart's Draft. Uh, but Aiden, they live in the Fishersville district. And I talked to Josh, wow, it was probably two years ago. Um, and and he had told me at the time that they were gonna go ahead and send Aiden to to Wilson. He he liked the Wilson coaching staff um he's not a big believer in coaching your own kid um and so he said you know uh, let's let's we're just let him go to wilson and he's he's a pitcher he's he's a good player i think you're going to see big things out of him he, he doesn't overpower you pitching wise but but he really has some some different pitches that and he can mix it up and, and he's really good and he's only a sophomore so i think he's he's the backup quarterback on that on that football team too so yeah, you know, look look for him to, uh, to to be pretty good, and, and look for Wilson. You know, I, I think they could use a little more offense this year, but I, I, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure how good they'll be this year. I really am looking forward to seeing them next year. So, um, and then so. and Buffalo Gap's good too. They've got Noah Canterbury who's committed to ODU, and his younger brothers on that team too, and they got Hunter Campbell. So Buffalo Gap could could be it. So you really got you know four or five teams in that Shenandoah district that if they can put it together quickly,
1: they could win the district. So, I, I want to go back to something there. Cause I, you're telling me things I don't know, um, which, which happens a lot. Uh, so coach McGregor's kid plays at Wilson and he's the backup quarterback. So what, what's going to happen this fall when draft and when he's the defensive coordinator against his, is potentially what? his son playing quarterback for the team. I mean, are we, are we blitzing <laughs> every down or is it, is it just going to be like coverage all night?
2: That's a great thing, <laughs> and, I, and, and that's certainly a story I want to, to do at some point. Um, I think, and I could, I could be wrong, but I think this year Aiden did get on the field <sighs> against Stewart's draft. Um, I th- you know, he didn't play a lot. Um, obviously, obviously, Wilson had their starting quarterback, but I think Aiden did get on that field late in that game uh, oh, yeah. against his dad. Um, and, then, and at that point, it wasn't the time to ask or to do that story. But I think, I, I think that's a cool story to do at some point. Yeah, I, I think it's a baseball story. I, I need to figure out when. Uh, I think Wilson, I think Wilson and Draft play Friday night. So, um, so I, I may have to pop out there Friday night and just Man. just see that when it's because you don't see that very often, right? I mean, you see it all the time, uh, it, it, coaches coaching their their kid. Yeah, but you don't see very often. Uh, a coach and his kid on the other team. So,
1: yeah, the the baseball, I think, is the story. I agree with you. the The football, though, I well, mean, that's you're right. <laughs> defensive coordinator against, you know, I, I don't know where. Well, no, right, you right, know right, If he right, was the backup right, quarterback, right. you would think he has a chance to be the quarterback.
2: Jo- I, I'm sorry, I should have cut this. One. Josh is the offensive coordinator for for Stewart's Draft.
1: Okay, so, okay. I might have yep. I might have jumped the line, but still, Cash. I, Brian yeah.
2: Cash is your that's right. So, that's yes. right. Um, yeah, Josh, Josh. is your uh, Josh is your offensive coordinator because. Josh was a great uh great player when he was at Stewart's draft right he he played yeah. for Tom goforth yep. and uh, mm-hmm. and he was um he was a heck of a player there and he is the offensive coordinator so a- a- at least he won't have to <laughs> yeah I was <laughs> kid but um but it's still it's still just really interesting when uh when, when that happens because hmm. I don't know how yeah I'd have to do some research I, I'm sure at some point it's happened, but not not very often and, not often, and nothing I can think of right off the top of my
1: head. Yeah, we, there was no like Hatcher kids uh, playing out at Fort.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not not that I'm aware of. But, um, right.
0: but I want to I want to go back because <clears throat> you were rat a tat tatting through the whole teams there, and I know you said if you had to give somebody an edge, Fork. Is that just because you think Fort hat is deeper and in an abbreviated season, the depth is really going to come to bear here for a lot of these teams.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that certainly helps. And and I think anytime in in a short season, anytime you got D one players on the field, you're going, that's going to give you an edge, right? And, And Ryan cook is a really good player. And I think, uh, but, I, but I also know that they've got a couple of other players that are going to play in college, not the one, but they are going to play at the college level, Cam Heron and Evan Sutton. Um, they've got some speed. They've got good pitching. I think it's going to come down to pitching, and I think they've got enough pitching that, um, and that's where it's really, I think that's where it's going to really make a difference this year, not only depth, but depth at pitching, because you do have such a compact season. Uh, if you've got a number of pitchers that can, can come in and, and that's what Fort did when they beat Rockbridge, uh, Ryan Cook started, uh, but they were able to bring in uh, a couple of other pitchers that, that did a really nice job in that game. So they threw three pitchers at, at Rockbridge um, and looked pretty good. So I, I think that's where I'd probably give Fort the, the slight edge. There's at pitching. And I think that might be the difference. So,
0: Let's move things here to JMU football, because I know you were on top of that game. I was seeing your tweets on uh, Twitter before I was flipping over to the game myself uh, to watch it. Uh, What'd you take away from that
1: game, JMU? What? Hopefully you didn't turn over too late.
0: (laughs) No, I turned it over uh, right when it got interesting. Um, But... Uh, JMU had a 24, three lead and then they didn't. Um, and then (laughs) they (laughs) kind of
2: just,
0: well, and I don't know your take on it, Patrick, you watched the whole game. I went back and watched some highlights and then I I watched most of the second half for me. It seemed like the first quarter was, you know, either way, both teams right in it, kind of an even first quarter. JMU. Yeah. second quarter JMU definitely dominated third quarter. They definitely didn't in fourth quarter. I thought that they, they got outplayed in certain parts of the fourth quarter. And so I'm reading all these tweets from JMU nation saying, Oh, we had one bad quarter. I thought you had one good quarter and the other three, one was decidedly not yours. One was uh, maybe a split round. And then the fourth quarter, I thought you lost too, even though you had one more point than Sam Houston state, you didn't play well on that quarter either. Uh,
2: just, just, Quickly, I, I've heard this. I've heard this from T.J.F. last week. They really want to be known as Sam Houston for some reason. A, Whatever. And I, still I so don't care this. about that. This is the that. story. This is the story. <sighs> that university is called Sam Houston State. Like, if you go to their website, it's Sam Houston State, the university. But their athletic teams are branded as Sam Houston, and apparently, T.J.F. got some some flack from the from the Sam Houston people to make sure they called them sam houston tell so them to I have figure no out their ass
1: before they start oh my selling God. people up here like you figure out your <laughs> problems and then you tell them <laughs> i mean football. i so don't have time for that <laughs> it's like riverheads what? no we're gonna drop the
2: s for for the football no teams. we're just riverhead, riverhead high school for football, like, for football. <laughs> yeah um, no, so, so I, I just wanted to make sure we, in case We're just see, draft. We're not. Stories. I tell you what, if someone <laughs> from
0: CM Houston listens to this and is offended by anything I have to say in this part of the podcast or anything later, then they're just the craziest come on people. Tell us directly. Yeah, they're they, the they craziest people in the spot. country.
2: <laughs> but but back to your original question, my, my takeaway from that game matter was that what hurt JMU is what has hurt them at various points this season um, and in passes' season, we'll go there. I, <laughs> really bad penalties, like really. And, and if you want to blame that on coaching, fine. If, if, but they had some, some really bad penalties, some 15 yarders that really crushed them at, in, at inopportune time, um, special teams play, just let them down on that, that uh, punt return for a touchdown. Uh, that and that kind of broke their back. I thought they were already uh, kind of kind of falling apart, but I thought that kind of ended it right there. Um, and, and then I don't know if you want to say bad luck down the end. Uh, I mean, Cole Johnson gets hurt. Um, so all of a sudden you got a, a quarterback that you don't expect playing in on the drive that you need to 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 win the game. Um, that, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Where do you put that on? That's just bad luck that he got hurt. Um, from what I heard, I think he got hurt on the two-point conversion. Um, there was some debate whether he got hurt on the two-point conversion or got hurt on the, uh, the the play right before they called timeout. But I think, from what I understand, he got hurt on the two-point conversion. Um, but that hurts. I, I mean, let's face it. I mean, what are you, who are you going to blame that on? You're going to blame that on a coach. Uh, you, you've got to send a, a new a kid out there that didn't expect to be playing in the, the yeah. national semifinals.
1: Have <laughs> you listened sudden... to Joe and I talk about Jamie football this season for all
0: five minutes of the entire now, now, season? I
2: will say this: I will blame. Okay. I, I don't know why they didn't send Ethan Ratke out there to kick the field goal. Oh, um,
0: go ahead. I'll fa- I'll rebuttal. I,
2: I'm just curious. I mean, I mean, the kid had kicked a 48 yarder earlier. The coach's explanation was, "Hey." You know, Signetti said the wind was in his face and we didn't think he was going to come close. Well, I will wager that he would have come closer than than the kid who the Madden kid who kicked it, which was way off. And again, you're sending a kid out there that is not used to doing that. And you're asking him to kick the, the you're se- keep your season alive. Um, I think I, if I'm the coach, I send Radke out there and say, hey, this is what you've done all year. You've made them all kick it and if
0: you make it great and if you don't you know that's that's what happened so so rat while while you know one of the best kickers in fcs and maybe the best kicker if you ask people in harrisonburg um is not known for his leg and so i know he made a 48 yarder but i think that one was with win aided and this one was going to be into the wind it was a little longer and uh, there were points in previous years that raki's been there that he hasn't done long kicks so I didn't have a problem with that. I just, in my, in my mind, rather than send a kid out for the first field goal attempt all year, you just go for it. You just have to go for Keep it. Keep your yeah. offense
2: on there. Yeah. No, I
0: I, I don't answer. think that was the but only thing offense, I disagreed your with.
2: Offense, your, your offense has a quarterback who, <laughs> who's not used to leading them either. So, yeah, you know, he I, I, I had
3: some playing time, at that point.
0: but, I I just liked their odds better if they had the offense on the field. That being said, the play, uh, Cole Johnson's last play. I don't know what your takeaway was. I was just so amazed. He was staring at the guy that was blitzing him and he just didn't move. It was like, he froze. Like he was like, Oh, maybe if I don't move, he's a T-Rex and he won't see me. Well, the T-Rex saw him and he got sacked and I was just like, what an odd play. Like that, that the announcers were like, Oh, what a great delayed blitz. Nobody saw him. And I was like, the quarterback is staring at him
2: like he's staring uh, at him in the face and he still gets sacked. It, I was just, let, let's be honest here. Cole, Cole Johnson, is Cole Johnson was not a great quarter. I think like he was playing his best, his best in the postseason. He got he benched great, earlier this season. Yeah. He was not a great quarterback to begin with this year. So, so, you know, I, I, I don't think, um, You know, in that moment, maybe maybe he just reverted to (laughs) to to why he got benched in the first place. Um, I I don't know. I I just this year, I I know there's a lot of JMU fans that are really upset about how that game played out. My thought is this year was just so strange, anyway. And they got they they didn't play the normal season. They had so many stoppages because of COVID, either from them or other teams. The, the the season was just weird and thin, um, and then you have to go and play at San Houston in eighty degree temperatures um, in Texas, which you're you're not expecting to do that in, in postseason play. I'm not making excuses. I'm just you know,
1: I'm, I'm bat- just saying, back everything you say, Patrick. Come on, go play saying, in good weather. It was too good of weather.
2: <laughs> I mean, eighty degrees, and, and you don't have locker rooms down there either. Apparently they're doing some kind of renovation, and so neither team had locker rooms. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being a JMU homer. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying, hey, they got to the, the national semifinals. They lost a really good Sam Houston team. Casey Keeler is a great coach. I mean, he won a national championship with Delaware, and he has done wonders with San Sam Houston team. They are not the same Sam Houston team that lost sixty-five to seven or whatever it was back in two thousand sixteen to to JMU. Um you, you got most of these players coming back next year. I, I don't know if Cole Johnson's coming back, but most of these players are going to be back next year. If you're JMU, I think you'd just say, look, we we lost, but it was a good spring season and now we're ready for next year. Now, you know, is North Dakota State going to be back next year? Because as much as JMU fans want to mm-hmm. say, hey, we're, we're, you know, the, the, the best team in FCS, they're still, I think when, when, North Dakota state is North Dakota state. Um, there's no touching them, right? They're just, they're yeah. not, they're not in that caliber, but I, I still think, Hey, they, they had a good spring and I think they're going to have, uh, have a really good fall next year. I, I just don't know if we, I, I don't know the, all the hand wringing I saw from JMU fans uh, after that game Saturday. I'm not sure that, um, that, that was worth it because Hey, they, they, they lost to a really good team in Texas. So,
0: so I'm going to put my journalism hat on here, Patrick. That was a very long answer, but it didn't really answer my question. Did you feel, <laughs> did you feel JMU was the better team and lost, or did you feel Sam Houston was the better team and beat JMU?
2: <laughs> I felt Sam Houston was the better team. Okay. Thank um, you. I agree. I, I don't know what happened to Sam Houston in that second quarter. Um, it, it, it seemed that, that JMU was able to finally, you know, Cole Johnson completed a few passes that opened mm-hmm. up the running game a little bit. But I think they made some really good adjustments at halftime. So I, I, I thought coming into the game, Sam Houston was a better team, and I really thought Jamie was going to have trouble beating them. So when they went up twenty-four-three, I was amazed. Um, so yeah, I, so that answers does that answer your question? that does answer Sam my question. Was Thank you. Better team. <laughs> Thank you. Press,
1: Sec- Press secretary Joe over here taking care of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just wanted an answer because I, I felt, you know, I was seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter and I'm not a big Kurt Signetti fan, which anyone who's ever listened to this podcast before knows already. But I, I came away he with like I
1: Joe wants to know what people
0: I, I was just like, you know, look, I, I don't feel like we were the better team in this game. I felt like it was two split quarters. Each other team had a great quarter. And I felt like it, at least one of the split quarters, the fourth one you give to Sam Houston State because they made a stop. They had to. And actually, JMU should have lost the game earlier. They got bailed out on a really questionable pass interference penalty to keep that drive right. alive. Have,
2: and, and of course, you met Sam Houston, correct?
0: Sam Houston, not, Sam Houston, not, Houston no, we State. Don't. We I don't. I don't. I go by the name of the university. I refer to Virginia Tech as Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University too. So, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just think that you know, for JMU, it's just you know, I don't know. It's it's what JMU is. JMU's the best thought, at everything. We're never secondary in anything, and when we lose, it's somebody else's fault, and we lose because it's unfair.
1: Yeah, I thought coaching stood out. I, I thought that stood I out. Think I think anytime you blow a
0: twenty-four-three lead, that's a especially the third quarter. What do I always criticize Justin Flinte about? We whenever we come out in the third quarter, we get shellacked because he doesn't know how to make adjustments. So it kind of that's I will say, Leland, I will give you that. Using my own logic that I used against Justin Fuente, the third quarter, one coach made an adjustment, the other did not, and the game flipped on its head, and you took a 24-3 lead in the locker room, and then you were down 31-27 at the end of the third quarter. See, Again, I'm, there was no locker
2: room. And- I'm not. It's no locker room. No. Uh, big, I think they had a big tent.
0: They there. were offered. They were offered. Uh, I think the basketball locker rooms, and they turned them down. So, in my yeah, opinion, oh my gosh! That. Well, um, for being told all year that their hashtag built different, I don't know. I think Navy. <laughs> I think Navy, who actually uses that hashtag, would have walked to the basketball locker rooms if it was that big of a deal, but. They're actually built different because, you know, they're going to serve the military versus wanting to pretend they're built different because they play in the FCS, which is a secondary competition.
2: Jeez, you're, you're rough. Huh? You know, I, I'm not nearly as anti kurt Signetti as, as you are. My problems I, I, with Kurt Signetti have nothing to do coach. between the lines.
0: It's it's <laughs> off the field stuff that I have a problem with Kurt Signetti. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I can see that. But, you know, I think on the field, I think he's a good coach, and, and I think that, um did he get out coached maybe but he got yep. out coached by a really good coach. I mean K- K- Casey Keeler mm-hmm. is a really good coach I think. Um and and I I'm impressed with with what he's been able to do at Sam Houston so um I you know I don't know. Let's let's see what happens next year in a real football season instead of this whatever it was this spring.
1: If if JMU won this spring, it would not be referenced that way. It'd be <laughs> the most important season that saved the importance of FCS and the pinnacle of all of all challenges was achieved. That's that that's you are, how it's viewed in a spectrum there.
2: <laughs> you are probably correct, but <laughs> every fan looks at their team that way. Do you, don't sure. you agree with that? Yes.
1: I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't argue. I, I have my colored glasses uh, sitting over here too. So yep. uh, so moving to what we usually speak the longest about when you come on, Patrick, um, I did see some social media interaction today. Uh, you talking about being done with one series, binging something, and now you're about to move back to West Wing. And I always support the West Wing rewatch, but I think it's up to Joe and I here to kind of try to t- to steer you into something different, something we always talk West Wayne and West Wayne's great. There's nothing, nothing to debate there, but Joe, what what do we got for Patrick? What, what can he binge instead of going to, Well, let me me
2: tell you this. I just finished community. And I know I'm like Mm -hmm. five years behind on that. I I never, I, I was aware that it was a show when it was on, but I never watched it. But for some reason I was looking for something on Netflix several weeks ago, stumbled across that, watched an episode, fell in love and watched the whole thing in a couple of weeks. Um, so, so I, I don't know. Maybe I want another sitcom. Maybe it's time to go to a drama. But but I absolutely loved Community. that helps you at all. So.
0: That's interesting, because I haven't finished Community. But I think the reason I haven't finished Community is because I'm not a huge Joel McHale fan. But anyway, to answer Leland's question. So, I don't know if you've seen The Good Place. But if you're looking for a sitcom, I would oh, recommend The Good I've Place. I've seen The Good
2: Place. Okay, it well. It may be my favorite sitcom of all time. It
0: oh, be- I don't know about favorite, but it's good. I I'm on the last season right yeah, now. I haven't yeah, finished yeah. the last season. Um,
2: yeah. but The ending is fantastic. I
1: A recommendation that just came to my mind, I think, because I don't think Joe's watched it either, I think we should all watch Ted Lasso. I think we should all watch the Ted Lasso show. <laughs> Does Cause someone want to give me
0: it. an Apple account? Because that's the only way I'm going to yes. watch Ted
2: Lasso. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Joe on that one. I, I, I would love to watch that. The Yaksport card. They <laughs> love that show. I
1: don't have Apple Plus, so... Ah,
2: and I could get it, but, you know, I've, I've already gotten... Um, I've, I've got Amazon Prime, I've got Netflix, I've got Disney Plus. Um, my wife likes all those murder dramas, which I, I assume that's leading up to my demise at some point when she's mad enough at me. But she watches Discovery Plus. So we've got all these streaming channels. Um, Apple, Apple Plus is going to have to add a few other things for me to... Before I can jump in and get that. So I, I pay for Prime.
0: But... <laughs> oh my gosh. Um so not really a comedy. The first episode's kind of a comedy and then it gets into a serious thing. Uh on Hulu Sasquatch. Um, which is basically this guy is going back through an alleged murder that was committed by a Sasquatch. So I mean, obviously. Spoiler alert. Little... Spoiler yeah, alert, I the Sasquatch didn't kill anyone. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't a Sasquatch. But like the first episode, I'm just dying laughing the whole time. Um, so the first episode's hilarious. I would say in terms of drama, and I I don't know how into the uh fantasy realm you like Patrick, but it's actually what I'm going to be talking about. Um, so I'll just mention the name of the show. Shadow and Bone on Netflix was pretty good.
2: Shadow and Bone. Okay. Okay. I can give it a shot. I don't, I, I'm not anti fantasy. I, I, I like some of the fantasy stuff. I'm, um, so I could check that out. Um, cause yeah, I, I need something. I, 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 Piggy Blinders is in. another one. Piggy Blinders, actually, and you're gonna, gonna hate me for this because you were recommended that at one point during one and of our conversations. Yeah. And I started watching it and I didn't finish it. So Mm. I'm I'm in the middle of it. I liked it a lot. I I don't know what it was about. I don't know why I didn't finish it, but I just didn't. The the other show I'm watching that I haven't finished is The Unbreakable uh, Kimmy Schmidt, uh, which I really like too. But for some reason, I stopped about uh, a season or two before it ended. So I've got a couple of those shows I need to go back and finish.
1: All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully we pushed you in a good direction to find something new and different. That's what that was my motivation.
2: what I really and well, this is not new and different, but but with um Black Widow coming out um this uh in July, I think it is. I need to get my wife caught up on the MCU universe so she can go to the movies with Don't. me. Um, she's only seen a few of those movies, uh, so I told her wins. I said we need to start watching all of those so so she can be up to date and understand. I, I she could probably understand it anyway, but uh it would be good for her to have seen all of those movies before we go see the Black Widow. I,
1: I don't HBO take on the...
2: the whole MCU, but
1: I do. Uh, I like the Black Panther, so I'm excited that there was more information about that next movie and stuff. I'm, I'm excited to see that next one.
0: Was HBO one we'll of the see. ones I... you
2: have? What, what was that?
0: Was HBO one of the ones you have?
2: Yeah, I do have HBO. Succession is great. Just, just so I could watch West Wing.
0: Succession <laughs> is great
2: succession okay
1: Yes. it is very good i've watched the first season it's very good
2: okay i'll have to to maybe watch that uh yeah because I'm, I'm i'm looking I, I even went through the internet uh last night just looking for for shows and i don't know there was a recommended like four or five different shows and everyone i look for they were either on hulu which i don't have or or apple plus or um various streaming services that i don't have so um i think i think secession
1: is a good recommendation there uh, because like you know like west wing where it's serious but like you still laugh at things like you get that in secession too Mm -hmm. now you don't really get heartfelt moments that you get Mm -hmm. from from west wing but uh it is a like a dynamic show where like you'll be laughing at some situations pretty hard and the struggle of certain characters like I, i think you'd enjoy it
2: okay i'll 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 give that a try. So, so wait a minute. succession on HBO mm-hmm. and a uh, shadow and bone on Netflix. Right? Yes. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, and if someone tells you how to log into Apple plus, we're all going to watch Ted Lasso. you receive a dark text from an unknown number with an Apple login.
0: Oh my gosh. My favorite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, Patrick. Well, thanks for coming on with us. I will try not for you to break uh, copyright laws since you, Work in the journalism business, um, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. And I bet we talked to you down the stretch of the spring because I, I imagine we'll have a lot of teams again going deep in the spring uh, season, even though uh, that won't be till I guess late June now. And uh, but we look forward to talking to you down the road.
2: Sounds good. Thanks, guys.
0: All right. Unbeknownst to Leland, we are going to record. A special interview live reaction uh, as it's me, Joe, obviously, and my brother Brad, another lifetime Orioles fan. And we are going to talk about John Means throwing the first complete game no hitter since 1969. It's the first no hitter in franchise history since the combined no hitter in 1991 for the Orioles. Good year for Brad. Um, but Let's talk about this, Brad. John means goes out. He shoves 12 Ks. The only reason it's not a perfect game is because the catcher drops a third strike. Uh, Otherwise we'd be talking about an Orioles perfecto game from John means. Um, uh, You know, we've, we talked on the phone a little bit before we did this, but, and you, I think are just being, you know, negative you a little bit on this, but uh, honestly, what is your honest reaction to John means getting the no hitter? Honestly, I was I was completely shocked because I, you know, just
3: gotten home, just put some clothes in the laundry, had no idea this was even going on um, because everyone did exactly what they're supposed to do and didn't make me aware so that I would try to watch it. Um, You know, everyone did their job and I'm proud of them for that. Um, (laughs) I found a fact, which is how it should have been, because if I would have watched it, I can guarantee you someone would have gotten a hit somehow.
0: Well the last one was a little scary.
3: Yeah, I saw that I saw the replay of that out. But um it honestly doesn't surprise me at all that Pedro Severino dropped a pitch. Um I didn't see if it really was a wild pitch or if it, it should, was a pass should, ball. It I saw a wild pitch um is what they scored, but I'm not sure on that 100 percent Maybe it was a pass ball. I would I would believe a pass ball because Pedro Severino completely is just terrible. I'm I'm completely shocked still. I don't think it's sunk in yet for me. And uh, I'm worried that we're just going to trade him anyway. So, I mean, John Beans, he's been our solid guy for the past few years. Um, When everything's been rough, he's been the guy that we could always turn to to actually go out there and do his job on the mound. So, you know, you were bringing up some of those other guys that you were saying had, like, the highest rating for a pitcher, like, in a game. Was it a 99 rating or something like that? Yeah. Game score of 99. Mm -hmm. Those are that you're throwing out there. So like he's up there with that. And, you know, we're, we're probably just going to trade him away. In my opinion.
0: I no, I don't think so. Um, I, I would have been there with you before today. Like now I don't think you can. Like I think now the Orioles are in a position where you like need to lock this guy up. Before I was like, Yeah, you know, maybe you do trade him because you can probably get a pretty decent haul for him. Um but now I think you gotta sign you can't trade away the guy who throws a no hitter uh for the first time in your franchise's history since nineteen sixty nine, uh, and in, in terms of solo no hitters. But uh the last three Oriole no hitters, counting that combined one, uh, is actually, uh, against AL West teams, Jim Palmers was against the A's, the combined four person one in 91 was against the A's. This one's against the Mariners. So we just love playing the AL West, but, um, I, I want to talk about John means in something you touched on there and that he's been reliable. He has 2019. He was an all-star and he was a legit all-star. I know, you know, the Orioles only got one that year because we're the Orioles, but he was also good enough to be an actual all-star. It's not like, you know, the Pittsburgh pirates all-star sometimes. And you're like, uh, well, we got to pick somebody. So I guess this reliever who, you know, has an ERA under five. So, um, (laughs) but John means was a legitimate all-star in 2019. Last year, he got off to a slow start because he was coming back from an injury. And then at the end of last year, you saw the old John means. And then this year he's got an ERA of one, three, seven right now. Second best in the American League, and he'll probably be the best after Danny Duffy gets lit up like a tree, unless the Royals continue to be cowards and don't let him pitch more than like five or six innings because uh, he has a baby arm. But um, yeah, I, I just. He has been the bona fide ace that the Orioles have been in search for. And I think that's another reason you can't trade him. You as a franchise have been searching for a bona fide ace since yeah, I mean, Mike Mussina, and now you have it, found it.
3: You had, uh, who was it, Dylan Bundy, Kevin Gosman, those were supposed to be the guys. Right, and Jake
0: Arietta, Zach Britton, and then Zach Britton turned into a closer. They couldn't be that for
3: us. They they've kind of almost developed into that for other teams in a way, or they've kind of settled into whatever role they need to be in those in those rotations, but they couldn't be what we needed them to be, and John Means is being exactly what he needs to be.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I think it, for me, it's just so amazing uh, when you look at what this team has accomplished now with this no hitter. And, you know, you and I made the joke not bad for a team with 0% chance of making the playoffs. Like, we're three and a half out of first place. Like, and it, I know it's still early in the season, it's still the beginning of May, but we're better than the Yankees. So, I've watched the Yankees. That's a bad team this year. And okay. So you were talking about the other people who were supposed to be, you know, quote unquote aces. So let's talk about it. Since Mike Mussina in 1996 was an opening day starter, Jimmy key. uh, Oh, sorry. Mussina's last opening day start was in 2000. So 2000 Mike Mussina. Then you had Pat Henkin, Scott Erickson, uh, Rodrigo Lopez. Yikes. Sidney Ponson. Yikes. (laughs) Rodrigo Lopez two more times Eric Bedard who Eric Bedard uh while not a compl- while being a good pitcher for the Orioles never really it, he'll be more loved by Orioles fans for what he got us. Uh, so he got us Adam Jones and Chris Tillman mm-hmm. uh who was good Chris Tillman was good for
3: us for mm-hmm.
0: a while Jeremy Guthrie Kevin Millwood Jake Arrieta Jason Hamill the Chris Tillman years Kevin Gosman, Dylan Bundy Andrew Kashner Tommy Malone was our opening day starter in 2020, which, yikes. Uh, but And now you have John Means, who is a legitimate ace. And I think, you know, when you look at what he has meant to, the, to this fan base, and you're seeing it right now, I just think you can't get rid of that. That's why I think the Orioles can't trade him, because you can't take a guy who – might actually be in contention to win the Cy Young as a starter you had Zach Britton that one year who I think probably should have won the Cy Young that year even though he was a closer just because of how dominant he was as a closer he didn't have any blown saves the whole year his ERA was well under one uh that year uh but he didn't pitch for the Yankees so he didn't get to win the Cy Young um but now you have a guy who is you know like I said a 137 ERA it's just You know, Orioles Twitter, I love Orioles Twitter in general. But this year, I mean, every time John Means is on the mound, it's, you know, happy John Means Day. And it's my favorite day every five days is John Means Day. And he goes out and he just shoves. And I think he's got a, he's the guy that when the Orioles are playing, I'm like, all right, well, if we don't win this one, like, this might be a rough series because you just know when he goes on the mound, you have a pretty good feeling like, we're going to win this game. And then the other ones, you know, maybe Matt Harvey's doing good this year. Um, but the other starters are kind of like, ah, let's see what happens. Hopefully the offense can score some runs. Like with John means you're like, all right, offense, just get us like two or three and we'll be okay. Well, you know what it was? What was it? Like you had said, it's
3: happy. John means day every five days. I think everything kind of lined up because oh, it is- five,
0: 5 cinco de mayo. So every five days,
3: here we are, May the fifth, on the fifth month, on the fifth day
0: of the of twenty twenty one. Which, if right. you add them up, two plus zero plus two plus one, that's five. Yeah, I mean, hey, we we cracked the code. We cracked it. Again, I want to thank Patrick Kite for joining us and talking spring sports and JMU with us, and hopefully he'll appreciate the TV show recommendations. And I want to thank my brother for hopping on there. Uh, it was mid-week. good to hear from Brad. Yeah, talking Orioles baseball, which we don't talk enough of on this podcast.
1: Um, it, you, I think you tried to include me that night on that, and it was just a crazy night here at, at the McCray household mm-hmm. Uh but you guys watched with a lot more passion down the stretch than I was able to do. So it, I was, I was happy to concede my chair to Brad there and he did a much, much better job representing the, the X Sports podcast than I would have in that, that talk. So I'm glad you guys got to have that.
0: Yeah. And that, that was trimmed down because, well, Brad and I love talking Orioles baseball. So maybe the whole thing, maybe the I'm, unedited parts will pop up on another episode here on 40 <laughs> sports. I don't know. We'll put it somewhere. We, maybe
1: we trimmed down a lot of our conversations too. So it, <laughs> that's true. It's pretty yes.
0: standard. Um, You're the
1: common denominator here. So, <laughs>
0: Well, you know, sometimes you just got to talk about it. So, um, but Leland, let's talk about what's
1: dominating your life. I've been watching Veep lately. I know I'm behind yes. on it. Uh, I, I watched some of the first season when it was like originally airing. And I probably caught like an episode here or there after that. And always appreciated the show. I know it won awards. I knew what it was. I just the access to HBO has always been, you know, part of the part of the issue. So I do have the access to HBO um, one way or another right now. And so uh, if you're not aware of Veep, it's uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, who played Elaine on Seinfeld. Uh, she does a great job in this character. She plays Selena Meyer, the uh, uh, vice president of the United mm-hmm. States. Um, That's the that's the setup of the show. She's the vice president of the United States. And it's it's a comedy. You know, it's not serious like the West Wing. It's not, you know, one of these epic, you know, White House shows or Washington, D.C. shows. It really does just make fun of the ridiculousness of Washington politics and coverage of politics. And and um, it kind of breaks down that wall of, you know, the putting these Presidents and vice presidents up on a pedestal, and the people around them that work on it that, that West Wing does. And, and it's a very, that's a very well joyful show. This breaks that down and makes fun of it and puts people on their heads and has people messing up and how do they react to it and uh, in very blunt, uh, funny ways. And, and um, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus does just a super job in that role. She's so good and she's deserved every acting award she's gotten for that. But also, Tony Hale in that uh, yeah. he, he plays like her right-hand guy. Um, And, you know, the guy with all the answers, all the background knowledge, the bag of all sorts of stuff, um, the dynamic between them is so great. uh, But he but he's so great. I mean, and he's same from Arrested Development, where I loved him as Buster Bluth on Arrested Development. Um, He's he's part of a great ensemble here and probably steals the show most of the time. I mean, when when Julia Julia Dreyfus isn't making you laugh, it's Tony Hale that's that's keeping it all funny. And there's so many good little characters that have their own aspects like the secretary at the front desk and um, uh, you know, so many, a lot of characters that play a big role in the show, they, they all have their things. And so I really enjoy watching it. It is, is not the family show. There's a lot of language there. Um, And, and my, you know, almost three year old is definitely picking up on language now. So that doesn't get watched in front of him anymore. Uh, We learned the hard way. So uh, (laughs) it's, it's a good show and I recommend it. Even if you're late, it's, 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 it's a timeless show. I mean, there's, they hit on, uh, current event stuff of when it happened, um, and this, and we're talking, you know, six years ago, seven years ago, I think, when that show uh, first started. I, I actually don't have that date in front of me, but it's been a while. So there was a lot of comedy from this show that might have gotten referenced in the last and since then. So um, <laughs> it's it's really funny what they hit on, and, and you can go back and watch it in time. That one of the episodes I just watched recently during the first season, they're at at Camden Yards, and meeting Orioles players and and uh so I was I mm-hmm. was thinking of of you Joe a lot of those guys aren't there now but uh, no those were the dark <laughs> times yeah G- Jim Palmer is still around Hall yeah. of Famer Jim Palmer is still around and still present uh not that he was a player back then but he's referenced as the Hall of Fame broadcaster so um I recommend it Veep is good if you have H- access to HBO I recommend it and it's it's a good laugh
0: yeah show started in 2012 actually um but uh, yeah
1: so yeah t- 10 years ago wow
0: yeah. yeah, and I, I watched it when it was coming out. Um, watched it. It was something I watched every week just because I found the show hilarious. I think you're exactly yeah. right. Julie Dreyfus Louis- does a great job on there. Selena Meyer. Um, Tony Hale plays a guy named Gary Walsh, who, like you said, is the assistant. He's great. Jonah Ryan is a hilarious character in later seasons. Uh, her personal uh, press secretary is a guy, an actor named Matt Walsh, who I've yeah. seen in other stuff too, is He's very in like old school funny and,
1: and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh But his character's name in this is Mike McClintock and he is a total clown show. I mean, basically her staff he- is just incompetent and just totally ruins everything. And she plays a role on that some too, but Oh my gosh, yeah. it's amazing.
1: I love that. uh The Matt Walsh, the press secretary, he has like, during the first season, at least uh, he has a fake dog and like all of Washington yes. knows it, that he just like, <laughs> Oh, I got to get home and feed my dog. Like that's his way to get out of oh, staying or doing something. And like everybody in town knows except the vice president of the United States. And she like accepts that as a, a reason for him to leave. So uh, I thought that was a really funny run on joke. And, there, and there's the run on joke with the, her secretary sitting there, like uh, Selena comes in and she's like, has, has the president, president called? <laughs> and she's like, no. Because <laughs> he's never never going to call. <laughs> uh,
0: but yes, I highly recommend that. I don't know where you are. Did you just finish season one?
1: I'm in middle of season one. We're moving slow. Oh we're we're gosh, trying yeah. to watch some other stuff while we're doing it, but This will kind of be an ongoing thing, I'm sure. It just gets better and better.
0: I mean, that's a show that, like, all the way through for me was just amazing. I thought it was hilarious. I have
1: a good idea of the storyline through, so I know what I'm going to get. But, I mean, still watch it for the jokes. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't need cliffhangers.
0: Yeah. Uh, So what is dominating my life? Uh, I'll talk about a different show. It's on Netflix called Shadow and Bone. I mentioned it to Patrick there. Um, But if you're into fantasy stuff and that doesn't bother you this is i thought it was a great show at least the first season uh that just came out so it's definitely a fictional world they're dressed up like russians some of the town names are russian so i don't know maybe there's russian ish maybe it's a russian-ish story i don't know where the story comes from but (laughs) What,
1: what are you saying (laughs)
0: just if that's in case you're wondering like oh is this russia no not technically um but (laughs) it it involves a small percentage of people that have you know these powers and they're called greechers and they're hated by their enemies because they're greecher and they have these powers and the normal people in other countries want to kill them um Even the people in their own country that don't have powers aren't really big fans of theirs. Uh, And there's a weird dynamic there. Um, But anyway, there's this thing called the Fold, which is basically just this giant black cloud that stretches, I think, uh, I don't know if they ever say the distance, but there's 38 markers that they have to cross. And so I'm assuming each marker is about a mile. So I'm assuming 38 miles thick is this cloud that they have to get through. Um, and it splits this country in half. And that was formed by a Griecher, uh that was being persecuted by the king of this country. And um, so now one of the characters has this power that may or may not be able to destroy it. So uh, I, I would recommend it if you're into fantasy stuff. I, I found it to be a pretty good show. And um, there weren't too many... I will say there's already been a couple times where I'm like, all right, if this becomes a theme, I'm probably going to check out because it's going to bother me. But um, so far, I
1: thought this first season was good and I'll watch the second season. Sometimes with those fantasy things, you you just got to swallow hard on on some things to get you through. And yeah, but there's some people who don't have
0: magical powers that seem to really just survive some stuff that I, I don't understand.
1: Maybe you'll find out more about them later.
0: Yeah, I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. But I, And I have
1: no idea what you're talking about. So, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> All right. So, so what I know that you need to know, two things. Let's start out with the bad one first because I just want to get the bad news out of the way. Uh, Bob Baffert turns out his horse, Medina Spirit, uh, tested positive for a drug it's not supposed to have. Um, it's an anti-inflammatory uh kind of steroid which the problem with that is it masks pain and you're not supposed to do that for a lot of reasons i know what you're thinking like oh well it's masking the pain on the horse if the horse is experiencing pain that's the horse gonna check up and not do something that's going to injure it and possibly have to have it put down so that's why that's bad um bob baffert says he doesn't know anything about it didn't know anything about it this is a total surprise to him i want to believe him But this is the fifth time in a year his horse has failed a drug test. And he I want to like Bob Baffert, but, man, he made it hard today. He just made it so hard. The first thing he does is say, oh, my horse is a victim of cancel culture. Not really what cancel culture is. So that's just not having a grasp of what cancel culture is or what any of this is. Um, And then the second thing he said later in the day was, oh, well, what happened was this guy took this cold medicine, peed on this hay, and then the horse ended up eating the hay and got, that's how the horse got this thing that it tested positive for. No, I I just, I don't No, I don't believe it. I think he's, I just, uh. now Churchill Downs has suspended him. As I told you in a text, that only really matters if he's suspended and banned from Churchill Downs come next year at the Kentucky Derby.
1: Yeah, like at least 13 months. Yeah,
0: Yeah. otherwise, not really a big deal for Bob Baffert. Um, it'll keep his horses out of some big races that Churchill Downs has.
1: Yeah, there is other races there. Yeah. Right.
0: It's not the race at Churchill Downs. And from what I hear, the horse is still being allowed to run in the Preakness. So, I don't know. It just really sucks. Uh, it's that's been a downer. I was like, uh, yeah. The only good news is it doesn't affect my bet. So
1: <laughs> that's all that really matters. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is a downer when you think you're watching greatness, like when you when you we see Baffert and you know he's kind of yeah, all of a sudden he was, that record number
0: of Kentucky Derbies has a bit of a yeah staying
1: he's always been great I mean my entire life of knowledge of sports I've known who Baffert was like he's that guy like he Mm -hmm. looks like George Seifert kind of guy you know like (laughs) I I knew who he was and um you know like he's always been good and then he's accumulated like you know the top top ever ranking and and we thought earned it and so it's pretty disappointing when you kind of get that it's I've I guess we're not there yet, but it's headed towards a, like a Lance Armstrong kind of thing where like you really feel good about the greatness that you're watching and maybe even root for it. And then it, it kind of turns out negative. So I think the sooner he starts telling the truth, the sooner he gets through this or at least stop making up bad lies, just maybe take your medicine and try to move forward um, because he still has value in that sport, even if he's not cheating, because uh, you're just not going to convince me he's been cheating every single time all this time. I just think once he, you get on top, you start doing anything it takes to stay on top. Um, I think that's what we've seen with baseball players and their cheating. I think Barry Bonds got to a high level and then wanted to stay at a high level or and, and have you know the you know the home run record high level be that. And I think we've seen that with other players and some of those guys I don't believe always cheated. And and I think I I just don't think this has been a Baffert thing for 30 years. But I think this last stretch. I think it might be a continual thing because you know, you say the last five, five times in the last year. I think I heard some number of like sixteen times he's had issues. So, it, and it's all been kind of in the last five-year kind of stretch thing. Right. So I, I, I don't like that, um, and I don't like the look of it all. So, <sighs> but I agree. As long as the betters get to keep their money, then then we're good. Yeah, and so, my fault. that's what I learned about I didn't horse inject racing, the horses. I, yeah what I learned about horse racing, as soon as they do that final post, you know, that's when the, the money gets handed out. That's it. It doesn't matter what happens from there. And that's why they held that decision a couple of years ago And the horse bumped into the other one. And there was a decision. They had to hold everything up. So I, I, I will say this brings a lot of attention. And this is a theme for my uh, things that you need to know. Bringing attention to your sports usually a good thing. I, this is one of those I don't think is a good thing. Because cheating, you know, this is like NBA uh, referee cheating scandal. This is like Patriots potentially cheating sca- scandal. Like those aren't good for your sports. When you start tearing apart the um, legitimacy of what the sport is doing, that, that, that really isn't positive news and positive attention. So yeah. I'm sure the Preakness will get decent numbers because there's been the increased attention, but overall, this isn't good for the, for the sport of horse racing.
0: I agree. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's just sad. But anyway, now let's get to the happy news. Hockey. Uh, playoffs were supposed to start late this week. That may be pushed a little bit because the Canadian teams haven't finished their regular season yet, and Vancouver's going to have quite a few games left. But the reason I they still might start at the end of the week is we know who the four playoff teams in that division are going to be. The one team that kind of has the most games is Vancouver – they might not be last, but they lost tonight, so they sure as heck aren't going to be in the playoffs. So, and, and the seeding is kind of pretty much determined. It, it's going to pretty much be Toronto, Edmonton, uh, and then Winnipeg probably finishes ahead of Montreal, especially if Montreal loses again in their last game of the year. But, so I think they, they still might be playing the playoffs here toward the end of this week, which would be ideal to start everyone around the same time. In the playoffs, we're going to have the Carolina Hurricanes. They're locked in as the one seed in the Central Division. They're going to play the Nashville Predators, a team that they have gotten absolutely smoked by here this week. Now, wouldn't read too much into that. Hurricanes knew they were first place. Predators, the first win they had against the Hurricanes, locked their spot this game tonight that they got smoked. Not really a big game in terms of the Carolina Hurricanes. I like the Carolina Hurricanes against the Predators. The other matchup is the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, this one, they just played the last two games of the regular season against each other, and this one did kind of matter because seeding was on the line in those two games. Florida won both of those games convincingly. It's going to be a seven-game series, I think. I, these two teams hate each other. They're going to be good teams. Tampa Bay's getting back Steven Stamkos, who is a – their best player. They haven't had him all year. So he's coming back fresh for the playoffs. He's going to be tough to stop and he's going to probably help the Tampa Bay lightning a little bit. I'm still pulling for the Florida Panthers in that seven game series. I like them in seven Carolina. I'll take over Nashville in five Uh, Nashville wins one, but they're not really built for this in the East. You got the Penguins. They've won the East division. They're going to be playing the Islanders in the first round the Caps are the two. They will be playing the Boston Bruins in the sec- in the first round. Uh, I'll take the Caps in six against the Bruins. I'll take the Penguins. Where do
1: Penguins. the Bruins play? I thought you didn't recognize where the Bruins played. I thought we were past this.
0: The uh, team that plays in a city in Massachusetts with a <laughs> lowercase b. Um, they're playing the Caps. The Caps will win in six against the Bruins, who, by the way, have really pissed me off this week, too. They've cost me a couple parlays. Um, but anyway. Caps. No, the Bruins. The Caps never disappoint, Okay, Um, which isn't (laughs) true. But uh, the Penguins, they're playing the Islanders in the first round. And I tell you what, I kind of think if you're going to have an upset, it might be here. I I kind of like the Islanders. Islanders got that good coach. Against the Penguins, they do bury (laughs) trots. But I think this is a seven-game series. I'll give the edge to the Penguins, but would not be shocked if the Islanders pull that out. In the North, you're going to have the Maple Leafs. They're playing the Canadians. Toronto will probably win that series. I'll say in six, just because I don't believe in Toronto all that much, and they'll drop a game they shouldn't lose. Edmonton will be hosting Winnipeg. I'll take Winnipeg to take out Edmonton. Winnipeg is free-falling right now at this point in the season, which is a little worrying, but... I just don't believe in Edmonton either. And I'm going to take the upset here. I'm going to take Winnipeg in six games over the Edmonton Oilers. In the West, should My Vegas avalanche. should Vegas beat Colorado tonight, and they are up 1-0 oh. at the end of the first period, oh. Vegas will have the one seed. Dang. Colorado needs to win their last three games to get the one seed. I don't think they're going to do that. So I think Vegas is going to be the one seed. And for prediction's sake here, we'll just say that's what happens. They're going to be the one seed. I think Colorado will end up being the two. Minnesota will be the three. St. Louis climbed in there at the four. So, St. Louis versus Where's Vegas. Vegas is going to sweep St. Louis. St.
1: Louis is trash. Oh, you got to watch them. No, it won't be a sweep.
0: It'll be a sweep. Colorado, no. Minnesota will be a series that will be an absolute brawl. That is going to be a tough, tough series. The Colorado Avalanche have not played well here recently against said Minnesota Wild. Um, they have been actually really disappointing. I kind of thought Colorado might have a chance to get that top seed. But when they've played the Minnesota Wild here, they've just fallen apart, and they have not done well. Um, so what they feasted on, in addition to losing some games against St. Louis, which I didn't think they should have lost, they lost a game at See, Vegas. Gotta watch out for the Blues. Okay, well, the Blues aren't playing Colorado. (laughs) They're playing Vegas. So I think Colorado, when they play the Wild, and, and I think here for the Minnesota Wild, what they have to worry about is the fact that I do think, in terms of a complete team, I think Colorado is the better team. I've also seen the Minnesota Wild just inexplicably go into overtime, and lose some games they shouldn't. So for that reason, I'm that going case. to take I'm going to take the Avalanche in a seven game series. I think it's going to be a tough seven game series, but I think the Avalanche will prevail and they'll get the Golden Knights, who again will sweep the St. Louis Blues because the St. Louis Blues are, in fact, not very good. At least five games,
1: gentlemen <laughs> sweep, but I, I'll take them in four. You've said four enough times. If it's if it's five, I'm right. All right. Um, but I appreciate the hockey update. I'm, I want my Penguins to play well because I have root for Pittsburgh teams.
0: I would love I, for the chose Islanders to I the Avalanche knock like
1: out. a month ago, so I'm I'm still going to ride them.
0: See, I didn't pick enough upsets. I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to change it. I'm going to take the Islanders to take out the Penguins in seven. I didn't pick enough there upsets. There you go. There you go. God, That's please fine. don't let the Ice Cats be one of those that get upset. I need Joe really needs the Ice
1: Cats to do well. <laughs> But you had a good weekend though, I heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Part of that was I Vegas. Heard, I heard the the yippee from from out in, I was out in my backyard. I could hear it coming from Waynesboro. I heard a
0: big yell. So yeah, that was Vegas. Vegas was huge. They they came through in a big way. And you, you um, do
1: recognize Vegas as a city still. That's good.
0: Yeah. Which no surprise. The gambling city helps me in my gambling. Um <laughs> they they had a big, big night winning a game that I needed them to win. And so that helped. Uh you know, the Ice Cats and uh, basically by themselves hit the over in the Tampa Bay Lightning game that I needed the over in. And that helped. Caps came back at the death to force overtime and then in overtime beat the Flyers, which was great. It's always good when you beat a team from Philly, but especially when money's on the line. And then uh, there were some other overs. The San Jose, Arizona over hit in like the first part of the second period, which was awesome. And I think there was another over that hit. That helped. So, yeah, it was a good weekend uh, for that. But I- I'm excited so for these not, hockey playoffs.
1: We're Sorry? not quite to the level of winning where I get 20 bucks. You know, like when it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, I, you know, I always throw out the, like, I mean, if you win that, do I get 20 bucks? And no. we're not quite to that level yet.
0: No, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know well, when we make when you, our first thousand. But yeah.
1: Yeah. When you hit those six digits in, in gambling winnings, that's that's when I'm going to need 20 bucks. Yeah, which is
0: fair. But, yeah, it's a, right. it's saying the playoff matchups will be available on May the 14th. I don't think we'll have to wait that long. But um, I'm looking forward to this hockey playoffs. I hope they start at the end of this week because I just want to get to them. I'm, I'm excited for the hockey playoffs. Yes, I know Vancouver hasn't finished their regular season. Most of the teams they're playing aren't going to be in the playoffs anyway. So let them play those teams on the side in, like, a goofy, you know, just for fun. Don't put it on TV. You know, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to see it, does it happen kind of deal. Let the teams that matter play in the playoffs. That's what I want to see. Uh, And I I can't wait. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. So just a refresher, too, because the playoffs are going to be different, and I'll remind people this later on. The first two rounds are going to be interdivision matchups. So, for instance, there will be a champion. The first two rounds of the playoffs will be like the regular season where you're only playing a team from your division. Then, once those four teams come out, They will look at how many points they had. They will reseed the team with the most points will play the team with the least points. And then there is no Eastern Conference-Western Conference. So technically, two teams from the Western Conference or what used to be the Western Conference could be playing each other in the Stanley Cup. Or two teams from the Eastern Conference could be playing each other in the Stanley Cup. That is technically more likely than the Western Conference because right now, the Western Conference does not have that many teams that are playing. Other than the West Division,
1: so you wanted Caps and Ice Cats, huh?
0: Caps Ice Cats would be great. Um, I don't think we're going to get that. You'd be torn, wouldn't you? (laughs) The only way we get that is if the Caps win, uh, the Ice Cats win, the Leafs win, and Vegas wins. If we don't, if those aren't the four teams, the Caps and the Ice Cats would have to play before the Stanley Cup. I do think Vegas will win. Toronto's the one I would worry about. Toronto, if you're listening to hockey experts, they're going to say Toronto's going to win that division, and they got a great chance to win the Stanley Cup because of that. I said it last week. I'll say it again. The only way Toronto's going to win the Stanley Cup is if the other teams don't play in the playoffs. So uh, that I team's you were change. a hockey
1: expert. I thought that's what we're listening to you for. That's why we give you this time every week to talk about hockey. I thought you were our, our hockey expert. We're our we hockey
0: expert, this? but if you listen to national hockey experts who watch no, a lot more hockey they and say. they actually get paid
1: to do it. They're um, blinded by money.
0: They are blinded by money, and they're blinded by Canada, which is a bad thing to be blinded by.
1: <laughs> I'm always here for the Canada hate. All right, so what I know that you need to know to move us forward <laughs> is this weekend you probably had some awareness of a track event happening, mm. and the reason you did is because leading into this week and coming off this weekend, we've heard a lot about DK Metcalf, the Seattle Seahawks, a uh, huge-bodied wide receiver who – Last year, I think against Arizona, an interception happened behind him. He turned around and chased that guy down before they reached the other end zone. Uh, he started at least 10 yards plus behind him and caught him. After that happened, a U.S. track and field on Twitter, so how serious is this, but said, hey, you want to come run? You want to come try out for the Olympics? Have at it. He said, see you there. And whatever happened behind closed doors or from there, set up to where he was given a chance to do this. I like it. I think it's interesting. It made me pay attention to track in May of 2021, which I never would have done. Uh, Granted it is an Olympic year and 21 isn't expected to be Olympic year, but even in a a normal, even Olympic year, I would not have cared about track in May. I wouldn't care about any of these preliminaries. And I actually tuned in to track on Saturday afternoon. I saw it on the guide. I said, oh yeah. DK Metcalf's running that. I wonder how that went or if it's still to happen or what. And I turned over there and it had already happened, but I I heard the update. They talked about it. I think all these people that are just bashing him for running and finishing last, which yes, he did finish last in his heat. No, he didn't. It in his heat.
0: He was ninth in his heat out of 10.
1: I thought he was ninth out of ninth. Um, that was presented that way on the broadcast that I watched. So there you go. Um, he, he was right there. Like it wasn't some wide gap uh, between all these people and every other person involved in that track meet trains every day of every year recently for this. And they've, they've built their athletic career for this moment, for this opportunity. DK Metcalf hasn't sure. He ran some high school track. I don't know what he did in college, but he's fast, but he has a body built for the NFL. He has a body to withstand getting hit on the football field and also overpower others on the football field. I think it's it's exciting to see these players do other things. I don't know if it's great for track. If these guys, if these guys come in and and dominate, that's not what DKF Metcalf did, but he brought a lot of attention to your sport. And the more attention you can get to your sport, the more money there is. So if I'm another track athlete, I am congratulating DK Metcalf on coming out. And if, you know, You want to try out in two years for the world championships. We look forward to seeing you then. I would do anything you can to draw attention to this. You are still going to be better than them. So, like, why not promote people from other sports that get the highest ratings? You want all the NFL players involved in track that you can get because that's going to bring eyes. That's going to bring money. That's going to bring sponsors. So I don't understand people involved in track just shooting this down and dismissing it. Now he didn't win. I'm not trying to make it like it was some higher accomplishment than it is, but having him involved was good for track. And so I I liked it. It made me pay attention to it. Otherwise I wouldn't have. And I you know, I swoop in for track every 4 years. I'm not going to lie. I'm maybe you know in the in the 2-year cycle if I happen upon a world championships on TV, okay, I might leave it on there, but I do not have scheduled viewing. During the Olympics I do care about the sprints. I do care about you know the big when Usain Bolt's running and 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 when our you know what I like to root for the USA and and the 100 and the 200 and the 400 you know I want to see that stuff but I think here in the meantime I don't think it's a bad thing for having good athletes in other sports taking their shot when they can get it because it's just going to bring attention to your sport I, I just don't see what's what's terrible with that I I just don't
0: uh yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily bad for track, but if I'm a track athlete, I don't know if I'm trying to invite DK Metcalf back.
1: I mean, why not? Uh, You're going to him. you train every day for this. Your body is built to, to do this like he's not going to take your spot. He's in a he's in a heat like I don't know. I mean, maybe if I'm the ninth guy, if I'm the, the, the guy that you said finished tenth behind him, maybe that guy's not inviting him. But if I'm a like a guy that's legitimately going to the Olympics, one of the top six sprinters in U.S., uh, yeah, why not have him there and finish, you know, ten spots behind you, like you know, and, and I guess, two paces behind you.
0: I guess in terms of for them, right? Like the pinnacle for them is Olympic gold, right? Sure. If DK Metcalf like doesn't try line. out, if, D, if DK Metcalf doesn't try out, does that add any money to your pocket or take money away from you? No, not really.
1: If there is continued attention towards track, like if he tries again, there'll be there'll be more sponsors, and and eventually that that does come around to you. Who won? Who won? Exact. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who won.
0: Yeah, so that's why for them, it doesn't matter Michael if DK Johnson? Metcalf runs.
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter if
0: DK Metcalf runs, because people are just paying attention to DK Metcalf. They don't even know who won the event. So that's why for them, it doesn't really matter. I, it's I don't whatever. Know.
1: You got to get people I don't think it. I
0: them. don't think it matters either way. If DK wants to run and he's good enough to run, let him run. If he's not good enough to run, he shouldn't take anybody's spot to run in a heat. But
1: I think He didn't not take anybody's spot. Well, if he wasn't there,
0: somebody else would have run in a heat. So I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. As long as he's not taking another qualified person's spot, you know, whatever. Now, he didn't finish dead last, so I guess, you know, there's at least one other person who could get bumped. But I don't know. For me, it was just a thing. He was in it. He finished 15 out of 17 total, 9 out of 10 in his heat. Good for him, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting and it, you know, it brought my attention there that wouldn't have been there otherwise. So I, I liked it. So it was good. Um, there's the, there's some excitement on the women's 100. I'm I'm actually I saw that while I was there and I'm actually more excited for the Olympics to see how that goes. So you get people there, you get people interested. Um. All right, let's get out of here. Let's move it on to uh, what next week. We're going to talk more spring sports. We'll start getting some district matchups. So we'll have some early results. And as Patrick height mentioned, we will know kind of where some of these teams might be, you know, how strong they actually are looking. If, if we've seen some tight matchups or we've seen some blowouts, we'll start analyzing what we got from the spring sports. Uh, we will also talk about what happened in the Preakness and if, uh, uh, what happened there? Cause I believe that is this weekend. And, uh, We'll have a lot of more to talk about, so make sure you are subscribed to us on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or Podbean uh, to make sure you get us each and every week. Last week, we dropped a day early, so you, you want to be right with us when we drop, so make sure you are subscribed. And if you ever have any questions or want to interact with the show, follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Pod or email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to uh, talk to you and probably mention you on the podcast because we always enjoy the involvement of you listeners. So make sure you get back with us next week and there'll be more yak sports podcast one week from now.